High Top Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Justin Higginbottom. This is your news for Wednesday, October 19th. The Grand County Commission has approved funding to study the interaction of groundwater and salinity levels in the Matheson Wetlands Preserve. Just how much groundwater the Moab Valley still has available was the focus of previous studies. Here's Mark Stilson with the Utah Division of Water Rights. The 2019 USGS study was a big comprehensive picture, but they didn't go into detail and they left us with a lot of questions that still need to be answered. And one of them is down around the wetland. The water that makes it to the Matheson Wetlands Preserve is at the end of the groundwater system in the valley. It's basically the water not being used. But there's a layer of brine, salty water from the Paradox Formation, that's hundreds of millions of years old, under that layer of fresh groundwater. And that, that interaction between that freshwater layer and the brine layer is poorly understood. Researchers want to know whether using more water in the valley, issuing more water rights, changes that water-brine boundary. So understanding that dynamic and whether or not that water can be pulled out without harming the wetlands, is a very critical piece of information that we need as you know applications come in front of us and as development moves forward in, in Moab, Spanish Valley. A saltier wetlands won't only have an impact on wildlife and vegetation in the area, but it could also contribute to the salinization of the Colorado River used for irrigation downstream. The Utah Geologic Survey Groundwater and Wetlands Program will work to develop a water budget to constrain that subsurface brine, as well as map the vegetation of the wetlands and determine some baseline conditions. And the USGS will study how much brine from the Matheson wetlands is seeping into the Colorado River. Grand County is denying claims that staff and elected officials illegally attempted to regulate ATVs off the streets. Nonprofit Blue Ribbon Coalition and 12 local businesses allege they're owed $1 million in damages after the county and city revised noise and business regulations. But as Molly Marcella reports, Grand County's attorney says this lawsuit contains outdated and misinformation. The county filed an official answer to the lawsuit on Monday. In it, they say this case is simple. Noise pollution has increased dramatically in recent years, and Grand County enacted lawful regulations to protect the safety, health, and welfare of residents and visitors. Nearly 70% of the ATVs entering Sand Flats Recreation Area are owned by businesses involved in this lawsuit. The county says they passed ATV-related business regulations as a way to reduce noise pollution in residential areas. But it goes further. Grand County Attorney Christina Sloan points out that plaintiffs are taking umbrage with several now-defunct business regulations, as well as a recently lifted ATV events moratorium. She goes on to say that the county is even now considering lifting their cap on ATV-related businesses once they update zoning ordinances by the end of the year. The lawsuit names 17 local elected officials and staffers in Grand County and Moab City, the city requested an extension to file their answer to the lawsuit. County Attorney Sloan expects a trial in spring 2024. With KZMU News, I'm Molly Marcello.
A new report shows that Wyoming is home to the largest intact sagebrush habitat in the West. As KHOL's Hannah Mersbach reports for Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Grand Teton wants to keep it that way. It's a sunny and windy fall day in Grand Teton National Park, and the mountains loom over a plot of flat valley land in the park's southern section. The 95-acre site, known as Antelope Flats, is a bottleneck for mule deer, elk, and pronghorn, which all funnel through during their regular migrations. But right now, the land is empty. No animals, no plants, just dirt. Soon the land could be filled with native sagebrush. We see some kind of heavy equipment. We use tractors for tilling. Behind me is the seed drill that will be used to seed much of the area. That's ecologist Laura Jones, who's leading the National Park Sagebrush Restoration Project in Antelope Flats. The land was originally covered in sagebrush, but homesteaders removed the native plants in the late 1800s and planted non-native pasture grasses in their place to create hay fields for their cattle to graze in. Park staff took those grasses out last year as part of a project to restore sagebrush to 4,500 acres of valley land. Since 2007, the park has either restored or is in the process of restoring nearly 1,400 acres. That includes the Antelope Flats area. Even though the homesteaders are long gone, their lasting impact on the environment remains with non-native grasses. For species here in the park where we are supporting a diversity of native flora and fauna, uh, this this almost monoculture doesn't provide the same ecosystem processes and services to the wildlife. Now, with the grasses finally gone, park staff is tilling the land to change the soil properties before planting the sagebrush seeds later this fall. The plants could take over 20 years to fill in, and Grand Teton will be tracking progress with researchers at the University of Wyoming. The seeds were all hand-collected from other areas of the national park, a strategy that gives the plants the best chance of being fit for the environment. And these seeds aren't only sagebrush. It's also other shrubs like bitterbrush and rabbitbrush and a diversity of grasses and wildflowers. And that diversity of, of life, of plants, supports wildlife throughout the whole year. A healthy sagebrush habitat could ease migration for the many animals that flow through the valley. A plant commonly paired with sagebrush, bitterbrush, is an important food source for moose. Even grizzlies rely on sagebrush, digging up the plants and eating their roots. They're also food for smaller mammals, and then you'll see like foxes out in the in the winter jumping for those those small mammals under the snow. It's pretty cool. For decades, the fight to protect sagebrush habitats has centered on conservation for one species, sage grouse. The birds rely on sagebrush for food and protective cover throughout the year. But now experts across the nation are taking a broader approach. On September 22nd, a team of scientists from a dozen organizations published a report mapping out the many threats to the sagebrush ecosystem, like invasive grasses and wildfires. It shows that the West is losing over 1 million acres of sagebrush a year. The authors are urging government agencies and conservationists to focus on defending areas with sagebrush that's already thriving. You're getting the best bang for your buck. That's Zach Wurzbach, one of the authors of the report and a program director at the Center for Large Landscape Conservation in Bozeman. It just makes more sense 
to work outwards where it's going to, you're going to have an easier time restoring um, and addressing stressors such as conifer encroachment or invasive annual grasses uh, than going to those places that have just, they're just overrun with them. Unlike some of these places, sagebrush in Wyoming doesn't need as much work. The report showed that the state has the largest intact sagebrush ecosystem in the West. This is likely because the state's soil and climate make it resistant to invasive annual grasses and wildfires. The Great Basin, which includes much of Nevada and Utah and parts of California and Oregon, has been hit by megafires that take out native sagebrush and give way to invasive grasses. But Wyoming has been a bit more lucky. Still, Wurzelbach says this means conservation and restoration work is all the more important. And while the picture in Wyoming is very good, you know, Wyoming is a stronghold for sagebrush habitat. You know, the data shows there are some kind of big problem areas, particularly in drier areas like the Bighorn Basin. I think a key message, you know, moving forward for all this is that it's good, but there's still going to be a lot of work to, that needs to be done to keep it good. Back in the Grand Teton National Park, staff and volunteers are doing just that. They're investing in areas where work is needed and protecting the sites that are already thriving. This includes the expansive sagebrush flats that stretch out on either sides of Teton Park Road and Highway 89. Laura Jones investigates one of those sites off the highway. We're looking at a healthy intact sagebrush ecosystem, you know, like a third cover of sagebrush. And we also have a lot of grasses, native grass species, Jones hopes that one day, the Antelope Flat site will look like this one. Of course, that won't be for decades, but what puts down roots now will benefit Grand Teton for years to come. Hannah Mersbach, KHOL News. That story from KHOL was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, including KZMU. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, October 19th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.